I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we talk about the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. With that being said, we ain't no experts. That's, That's right. I think that's infinitely clear by now. Infinitely clear. But you never know when people, like, where they're jumping in. Yeah, you're going to get some of those social justice warriors, which we're going to talk about a little bit today. Just saying, (laughs) in case you've never listened to us before, we are not experts. We are learning, we are growing, and we are hoping you are too. And we don't mind corrections at all. Not at all. Just don't be mean about it, please. Yeah, totally. Like, feel free to correct us. Call us in on, you know, things that we might get wrong. Ah! My bad. Um, well, I have some things to bring up at the top of the show before we get into our um, episode topic today. So first, our, our fuck up section yeah, of yeah. the show. First, uh, first thing, a bit of a correction to everybody who listened to our mini episode. Listen, I was not as prepared as I should have been when I was talking about Lorena Bobbitt. I didn't really know what I was talking about. The ladies over at the Lady Killers podcast, which is a a podcast where they talk about female criminals or female killers, they, they commented on our post on Instagram and said they were so excited to hear about our Lorena Bobbitt portion and I panicked. Oh shit. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I listened to their episode about Lorena Bobbitt and I do have a couple of corrections. I don't know where I got it in my head that Lorena Bobbitt and John Wayne Bobbitt got back together. Yeah, they absolutely didn't get back together because John Wayne is a piece of shit. His name is John Wayne. Red flag. Red flag. All the red All the way. And I think I also said that his name was like Steve Smith or something and it's not. It's John... Fucking Wayne. Yeah. So we are sorry. 
um, listeners. We're very sorry. But I did think it was funny that we mentioned in our mini episode, because we started talking about the movie Teeth. Yeah. And how, like, well, if you don't rape people, you won't get your dick bitten off. Exactly. Well, um, as it turns out, John Wayne regularly raped Lorena yeah. and was and like, the highly shit abusive to her. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't this, like, we kind of made light of it, you know, that he was, like, fucking around on her and she chopped his dip- dick off, but that that's not the case. No, it's not. And it, it's exactly what we were saying. Don't fucking rape people, and then maybe you'll be able to keep your genitalia intact. I mean, listen, we're not advocating for chopping off anybody's dicks. No. But also, like, don't be a piece of shit person. That also sounds really difficult to do. Well, did you hear, like, how he explained it? I actually watched the video of him, like, explaining it in court. No, tell me. Um, They say it in that podcast, which, by the way, guys, it's um, the Lady Killers podcast, and that's uh, TLK podcast on Instagram. And they explain it, and I I watched him say it on the stand because he was like, I felt, like, two tugs. (gasps) And then looked down and saw, like, a lot of blood. Who tugs? Well, I mean, she had to whack at it a couple times, I guess. But, like, just that description is so, like... Yeah, that's how he woke up. It's it's weird. <sighs> but you know what? The whole thing has made me so much more excited, because this all came about because we were talking about um, Jordan, Jordan Peele's documentary series that's going to be on HBO, and it made me way more excited to see that. So Totally, because like before we didn't really know what to expect, and now I'm only like halfway through that episode. I was listening to it on my way over here. But now like I'm starting to get an idea of like why he's doing this and why it's an important story. And I can't wait to hear her I tell know. it. Like, I, I think know. it's going to be really like powerful and great. I'm super psyched. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to mention before we got into the episode, guys, we know... That we've been having audio issues. Yes. This is something that, like, we know we're trying to fix it for you guys. We don't want you to have to sit through episodes that aren't the best. Yeah. So we're really working on it, and so we appreciate it that you still listen and you bear with us, and that it really means a lot to us that you guys have given us this kind of, like, grace period Very to figure things so. out. Very much so. Just like we're not experts on, you know, gender issues and everything, we are also not sound experts at all, and we are still fairly new to this whole podcasting shenanigan world. We're learning as we go. Yes, and I feel like we're learning awfully quickly, and we are both very much, like, perfectionists about the way things sound and, like, the quality that we want to give. And I think that that's probably pretty obvious to people when they listen, yeah, I hope. Yeah. That we're trying, at yeah. least. I mean, because I know that we, we're not flawless all the time, but we are working on it. Yes. We are aware of it. Yes. So, Learn with us. Grow yes. with us. Thank you. Okay, so today we are going to be talking about a subject that is deeply personal to us, millennials and Gen Z. And there are a couple of things, I think, for me at least, that factored into wanting to do this episode. One of them was the vitriol that I feel like millennials get a lot of the time. Like, with us being millennials, I feel like there's a lot of, like, hate and jokes and things really, like, directed our way a lot of times. or, Or, you know, the way of our generation. Agreed. And then Gen Z, because it's kind of, I feel like people conflate the two a lot and, like, lump yeah. them in together a yes, lot. Yes, they do. Um, but they are separate things. And I feel like that nothing highlighted that more than the kids at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. I agree. Yeah. So. And now I'm starting, personally, I'm starting to see kind of some of the flat come off of millennials and start to kind of 
be put onto the Gen Zers a little bit. I don't I feel think like it's the younger generation always gets them. Of course, and that's it. how it goes. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the generation before is always going to be harder on the next generation. But you know what? I don't think it's millennials being super hard on Gen no, Z. No, it's, it's it's like baby boomers still. It's still baby boom, baby boomers and some Gen Xers that yeah. are like being hard on millennials and on Gen Zers. I agree. Well, and they're also the people that kind of like lump us together, which honestly, I don't really, ooh, sorry, which I don't really feel like offended by necessarily because I'm totally inspired by the Generation Z. Oh, I'm not offended. I'm not offended, but I do want to make it very clear that it is not the same. It's not the same as, you know, just the same way that Gen X and Millennials are not the same. Yeah. Like, we have, there are very distinct differences. While there are similarities, there are very distinct differences that separate us, and there will be distinct challenges that maybe we had to go through that they won't have to go through and vice versa. Yes. So just to kind of give you an idea of what we're talking about here, millennials is now, there's a lot of, every source that you look at is going to be different. So I looked at several different sources for what millennial age brackets meant. Yeah. And the general consensus that I found was that millennials are age 21 to 37. Yeah. And Gen Z is basically, you know, 21 through early teens at this time. Or, like, probably even more. Like, that was far more vague because it's still developing. Right. But under 21. I I would see that that's about right. I can see that. I think that that's about right. And then anyone over 37 is a pre-millennial or or a Gen Xer. Yeah. Which I think a lot of Gen Xers who are kind of, like, in that in-between like, I, a lot of people feel like there should be, like, a little bit of a, a section between millennials and Gen Xers. Yeah, because, like, like, like a, I've worked for people who were, like, in their mid-30s, and they were always like, oh, you millennials. And in my head, I'm like, I thought that it went over over that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, and, like, for instance, Anthony is older than me, and this would put him in Gen X. Yeah. And my mom is a Gen Xer. And I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, and I just can't have that. Well, first of all. <laughs> First of all, absolutely not. <laughs> but also, secondly, like, I just don't think that generationally they were the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think I think that there's probably some middle ground there that's, yeah. that's not quite being, like, recognized. Yeah, kind of like how I feel like millennials and Gen Zers are, is kind of yeah, a question a, mark Yeah, just a little there, bit too. of a gap there. There's overlap. Mm-hmm. There's a gap. There's whatever. Um, but generally speaking, that's the broad age brackets that we are going to be discussing. Yeah. So if we want to kind of briefly touch on, I'll try to keep it brief. I made so many notes. Okay. Um, but if we want to briefly touch on millennials and then Gen Zers and the things that make them different. Uh Uh-huh. So... The millennial generation is close to eclipsing the current size of the post-war baby boom generation with over 75 million in America. So we are one of the largest generations, which I think is so funny because everyone talks about, like, baby boomers and how there's so many of them. Yeah. You know, because post-war, everyone was popping out kids like crazy. Yeah. But apparently Gen Xers... We're also getting damn busy. Yeah. Like, yeah. well, and baby boomers. Like, your mom's a baby boomer. Yeah, she's a baby yeah. boomer. Um, Hi, mom. And the millennial generation is now 44% minority. It's the most diverse adult generation in American history. Mm. And Gen Z is set to um, surpass that, I imagine, every generation going forward. Yeah, I agree. It's just going to get more and more diverse. Yeah. Millennials have obtained higher levels of higher education in higher numbers than any generation before them. 
However, millennials were so disproportionately affected by the housing bust of 2008 and then the subsequent Great Recession that it limited their ability, both short-term and long-term, to purchase homes. And I graduated high school in 2008, so it was kind of like... Okay, here you are, ready for the world. Everything's shit. Yeah, <laughs> like it blows my mind though because, like, again, geographically, things are so different in different parts of the U.S. Because my, like, one of my best friends growing up, JC, just got engaged, and so I reached out to her and I was like, "Oh my god!" Well, it's her birthday too. So I'm like, "Happy birthday!" And oh my god, you're engaged. And she's like, "Yeah, we were like working on renovations on the house. So I didn't even think it was going to happen yet." And I'm like, "What the? Like, you can afford renovations? Yeah, <laughs> like, well, for, I mean, well, also forgetting that in Minnesota is different than here. But like, it is interesting how in certain parts of the world there is still kind of that like that they're still kind of able to do that thing. Yeah. Because in my head, I'm like, I can't afford a fucking well, house. Well, I mean, like I I told you, which okay. Here you go, listeners. We, we've we been looking at a house, like, in... Or looking at houses in Missouri where... We're not moving back to Missouri, but we've been looking at houses to purchase there because we have, you know, money from... We have California money, and we're mm-hmm. like, we could use our California money to buy a Midwest home mm-hmm. and renovate it and rent it out as, like, an investment property. But even then, I mean, I'm 28, and we're talking about generations before us. I mean, my mom owned a house... By 28, like she had two kids and was, you know, had a marriage and owned a house and was going through school at 28. You know what I mean? So, I do feel like my mom was already married seven years by that time. Yeah. I feel like millennials are still behind the curveball, even if they are now like purchasing houses and getting married. Right. It's still a little bit behind the rest of, yeah. But it is easier in the Midwest because a lot of people I went to high school with are, you know, they have kids and like or in houses and stuff like that. Yeah. But this says I got this from oh this was brookings.edu and they said nationally home ownership rates have not shown long-term declines. They stayed relatively stable since the 1960s except for a housing boom from the 1990s through 2006. The subsequent housing bust occurred just before most millennials entered the market. This uh, tamped down their home ownership rate compared to young adults at earlier ages. As high interest rates, a reluctance to buy, and debt or low savings prompted many millennials to live with relatives or move to rental housing. And then this also, like, disproportionately affected um, people of color in general. Mm-hmm. If you look at these graphs, because they broke it down by, like, like each section, they broke it down by race. Yeah. And it was very interesting to see because blacks and Latinos were always at the bottom. Yeah. And then Asians just above and beyond everyone. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, whites right behind them. Yeah. But it, it's very interesting. And I feel like... The reason why I bring all this up, and it might seem, like, dull or dry or boring or whatever, but I bring it all up because I feel like millennials get so much shit. (laughs) Yeah. Where we really are only working with what we have been given, and as you just said, 2008 is kind of when millennials were starting to go out into the world, and we were kind of like, okay, we were literally given shit because we didn't have control over these things before you know we were in high school we were in school that's all we could do and now we're thrown out into the world and we're expected to get an education get a job find a husband do these things like the generations before us where now it's like you've given us very little to work with and we have to find our own way right i mean and in addition to that it's not only that the economy is shit the housing market is shit But also, 
millennials are the most educated generation that has existed, college educated. But with that comes a surplus of people in the marketplace Mm -hmm. and everyone having massive student loans. Mm -hmm. So too many people went to college, essentially, and got degrees. And now there aren't enough jobs for people to be working in those fields. Which is why I feel like it's great that our generation has kind of created so many jobs. Like, especially in L.A., I feel like that's the thing. It is great. Like, I was actually going to talk about that. If I'm not sure if you mean, like, the gig economy, like, side hustles and stuff like that. Yeah, and just, like, the fact that, you know, I mean, I'm thinking a lot of social media and things like that and how those jobs didn't exist years ago and how Absolutely. because we're so smart I mean honestly <laughs> we've you know come up with these new ways of making money I mean you can be a fucking Instagram model and make tons of money where that wasn't an option years and yeah. years ago you know what I mean yeah, there's, there's but I feel like that's just kind of like things changing with the times and I feel like so true. much of that is also luck no totally you know? it totally is but I'm saying that those jobs were kind of created still by like other millennials who are on Instagram and Snapchat like the owners of those companies I feel like right there's been kind of like new money making opportunities I guess that never yeah. existed well before. I mean there's like there's this whole idea of the gig economy that exists now that millennials are driving forward. So yeah. a lot of people have side hustles now, right? Like you have your nine to five, but then also you drive for Uber or yeah. also you... Or do a podcast in a closet. <laughs> yeah, and, you, and make a dollar a, a year. Um, and Or you, you know, sell things on Etsy or like yeah. you have this, this side hustle economy. But I feel like it's... Be, it's out of necessity. It's because we have to, because having a nine-to-five job... Is soul-sucking? Well, it's not just that. It's not enough to... It's not enough to live... Like, no, to really not. live on. It's not enough yeah. to buy a home on for most people and yeah. or anything like that. So we've developed this side gig economy, but... As a result of that, millennials suffer from, like, much higher rates of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Like, we're exhausted all the time because we're working Because all you're the working time. even when you're not working. Yeah. 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 Or we're working on what we're going to do next. Like, what's the next step? You yeah. Know? Like, well, because always... you constantly... Like, my mom is totally like this where she's always like, what are ways you can make money? Oh, you can make money doing that. You can make money... Like, she's just... Every little interest I ever have, she's like, oh, can you make money off of it? Which is fantastic, but it's also... It's also very time-consuming. And it's kind of overwhelming, too, because it's like you constantly have to be thinking about how to survive and make some sort of life for yourself and kind of, I guess, grapple with the fact that your life isn't going to be exactly like people have expected your life to turn out like. Well, or even how—and that's another thing that we can talk about, because I feel like there's this whole insulting idea for millennials that we're these special snowflakes who think Mm -hmm. we're so—like, we're all entitled and self-centered and we think we're so special— And while I don't 100% agree with that, I also have to say, Gen Xers in particular, this is your fault. Mm -hmm. Like, and I love, you know, I love my mom. She's the best. But every one of that generation, it was this self-esteem they they pumped self-esteem into us, right? Participation yeah. trophies. You're unique. You're special. You can grow up to be whatever you want to be. Yeah. The future is yours. You can do anything you want. Yeah. And then we become adults and we're like, oh my God, no, we can't. Like, <laughs> that was a lie. This is like, all a fucking you know, lie. So like, like we're getting slammed all the time for like 
thinking that we're special or like being narcissistic, but I'm like, but my entire childhood, you told me I was special. Yeah. You told me you know? there was no one else like me in the world and that everyone would see it and accept it and, and love that, it. And yeah. that's not the case. And that if I just believe anything can happen for me, you know, yeah. and I'm like, and while I think that that's a wonderfully positive message, and I do think that kids need lots of positive reinforcement, and I'm not hating on that at all. No. Because I think it was very well-intentioned, and I think it was a bounce back from being raised by baby boomers who didn't yeah. have that like kind exactly. of approach to parenting. So now we have to find kind of a middle ground between reality, working hard, and you know being dedicated to what you choose to do, but also believing that you are special and that what you have to bring to the world is unique. Yeah. And just having a happy medium. You raise kids who want to do podcasts because they think that their opinions are important. Exactly. (laughs) Which is a good thing. So I'm not hating on that type of parenting. I'm just saying you can't hate on a generation of people for being what you raised us to be. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, We are a product of what you were before us. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, I'm so I'm so tired right now, so I'm sorry if I sound funny. I keep like saying things and being like, God, I can't think of any words. No, right now. you're okay. I'm Do you so, need some coffee? So, I might at one point. I'm so fucking tired. All right, Long we'll make day. we'll make coffee between this and the next recording. I keep trying not to yawn too, because I know my mom's gonna yell at me. <laughs> okay, so the next thing kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier, which is that millennials are less likely to get married and have children than previous generations. And when they do get married, they tend to do it at higher ages Mm -hmm. than in the past. I think it is. I think it's so smart. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's smart for the current situation that we're in. Yes. Because for my grandparents to get married right out of high school, like 1920 um, or, you know, 2021, it made sense because it was like they were already established. They already had jobs. They kind of, it it made sense for them. And it might make sense for you. I'm not saying, like, don't get married young. But for a lot of people, because it's so much harder for us to find jobs, pay off our student loans, pay off our debt, um, you know, make a living wage, it's difficult to have a family. Well, and I feel like it was so enforced at that time, too, to settle down and which not saying that it isn't now but i feel like there was a certain like american dream ideal that was supposed to be met where people would marry unhappily yeah to be just a part of that and Mm -hmm. to have kids and do what they felt they were expected to do and also at that time you know you couldn't really just get divorced and if you did it was so frowned upon and like my grandparents did. They yeah, got, they got divorced in the early seventies, but it was. It and was I'm like sure a, it was really hard for them. Yeah. to do that. It's and particularly on the woman. Like it was hard yeah, for my grandma. Definitely. You know? And so I feel like now that whole thing has kind of changed. And we've seen that, too. We've seen our parents be married unhappily. So we don't want to marry just anybody. I feel like that's a whole other, you know, discussion we could have of just, like, this generation's expectations on love and relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, I know I'm not going to settle for anything less than exactly what I want in Mm -hmm. a partner. And, and in a life. And in a know, life, exactly. It's you're not going to marry just anybody. Right. Because your marriage and your relationship, it's such an integral part of your life. Yeah. And I feel like we're also kind of in a part right now of dating culture, which both of us kind of started, like, dating as, like, Tinder became a thing. Like, I never really yeah, used I Tinder. Yeah, I never used... I've never been on a dating app. I kind of... I mean, I guess you could call me a serial monogamist at this point because I never really did the dating 
thing. I never did. Yeah, I mean, I did on and off when I was with the guy before Chris, where we were never like official. I would like date around a little bit, but not. I'm not saying I wouldn't have. It just never was no, in the cards no, for me. I know. And but I, but I really wasn't a big like. I mean, well, because I didn't have dating apps and stuff stuff maybe if i had i it would have been different i don't know but i, I can't feel like imagine dating but I, apps. right i know but i feel like now it's kind of like people aren't settling down as much because well and i'm not i'm not saying this as a fact i'm saying i wonder if people aren't settling down as much because they can be like oh there's going to be somebody else that could be better what yeah, else is out yeah. there i mean and that's something that i think we can talk about as we move into gen z but particularly we see that a lot in gen z and i think we're going to see that more going forward with yeah. this this um and this is not a slam on gen z at not all, at this all. Is just and i mean that's kind of- the thing is that like if you're always wondering what better is out there i don't really see that as being a slam or a bad thing. It's just you have more options well, out there. I think that there's pros and cons right. because it's like I do think a lot of this stems from this social media culture. Like mm-hmm. I feel like some of it does stem from this Tinder culture where you can just scroll through people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you can just see face after face after face. Yeah. And like what could be on the next swipe? Could it be better than what's on the swipe I'm at right now? Yeah. And, and I, I think that there was an idea of that even when we were younger and For sure. I mean like of course. But now it's on just like a grander scale. Yeah. And I feel like they're even more so than us picky about who they're with, which I think plays into that as well. Well, I think they're pickier about who they're with long term. I think that the... In, in the millennial generation, I think for sure, and then I think it's going to continue through the Gen Z generation, and no, judge, no judgment for me, but um, there's definitely a hookup culture where it's yeah. like, it's... I think there's more selective... Uh, they have a more selective mindset about who they're going to be with long-term, like marriage-wise, long-term dating-wise. But who wise. they're going to hook up with is right. lesser. It's kind of, like, easier to hook up with people. Right. I mean, I kind of, when I was in that stage of my life, it wasn't very important who I was, like, spending an evening with rather than who I, you know what I mean? Like, there was dating that I did that was, like, fun and hookup-like, and then there was dating for feelings. Right. No, <laughs> yeah, like, like, of course. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But... I, I'm not judging it. I'm not saying that it's wrong or bad. No, I know. I'm just saying, like, bad. we did experience, like, parts of it as well. But right, now yeah. it's just, on, like, it's not like we can't understand. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, and then that's what I said. Like, millennials, like, it definitely have hookup culture. Like, yeah. we, like, I don't want to say we started hookup culture. We didn't. It's been I mean, around forever. Kelly Clarkson, I do not hook up song. <laughs> I'm just saying. But we definitely kind of perpetrated that hookup culture. And then I think it's going to only continue because... With social media. Yeah. So before we really get into it, because I think we're kind of like just on the edges of it. Talk more about millennials to me, Keegan. Talk millennials to me. Oh, okay. Um, well, I don't know how much more I really have to say say because we kind of already hit on the um side hustles situation here okay take it i'm kind of thinking about texting anthony too and asking him to make me coffee Uh, okay after you pour your wine this is my favorite thing to do oh yeah Ooh, so oh, so nice. And by the way, guys, we are drinking, because we're talking about millennials and Gen Z. Gen we Z. are talking, we are drinking um, rosé all day. all day. Yeah, which I did share a picture on our on our Instagram story. Okay, anyways. <laughs> um, the only, I have one more thing here for millennials. Um, as late as 2015, millennials were more likely to be in poverty than most baby boomers and Gen Xers at similar yep. ages, which is kind of something we've already 
you know, talked about. Yeah, I was, I kind of, like, today had a conversation with the kid that I babysit for because there was, we were in the in the line for In-N-Out and there was a homeless woman who had a sign up and he can't really read yet, so he wanted to know what it said. And I was like, oh, it's, it says, you know, do you have any cash to spare? And uh, we were talking a little bit about being homeless and he said, do you have any dollars? I said, yeah, I actually just found $2. Do you want to give it to her? And he was like, yeah. So he like, you what know, sweetie. reaches his arm and he goes, excuse me, ma'am. And she comes over and he gives her the couple dollars. And we were talking about, because to him, he doesn't really have a concept of money and how of much money not. is and working and things like that. And I, I kind of explained to him too, where I was like, you know, even earlier this year, like there was a point in my life that I couldn't really afford food for the day. I mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to pick a meal and that's going to be my meal for right. the day. I mean, and that was just a few months ago for me. You yeah. Know? And it's yeah. like we go through different stages in our lives and I just kind of wanted him to be like, look, these people that we see that are asking for money are really not that different from us and we could be at different, you could be at different stages of that in your life as you go on. You could be homeless and then, like, I remember when I worked the Steve Harvey show, he was talking about how he used to be, he was homeless at one point. And yeah. like, now yeah. he's one of like the richest people ever. His story is actually really, really it's inspiring. Amazing. And yeah. I, and I watched Family Feud when I work. So I was like explaining that to him. And so whenever we talk about homeless people, he always brings up Steve Harvey, mm-hmm. which it comes up like a lot because I watch Family Feud so much. And, um, it's yeah, it's 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 good for me to explain to him like look just because you're in that situation and you're poor doesn't mean that you can't like get yourself out of it and yeah. be yeah. somebody better because I feel like our generation especially there's so many highs and lows. I've been in jobs where I've been making really good money and I've been in jobs where honestly I'm just like I cannot afford anything. Uh, yeah, I mean, you knew me whenever yeah. I was at, like, when I first moved to L.A., and I just said this at my birthday party, whenever we were at um, mm-hmm. the Federal having brunch, I was talking about being 28 and kind of being happy about where I am in my life right now and not being scared of getting older and finally being at a place where I'm, like, happy to be getting old- older because I'm, like, I-, I feel good about where my life is. Yeah. And I remember telling them, like, when I first came to Los Angeles... I I literally remembered trying to like scrape change together yes. to get gas, yes. like to get to school. Yes, and I have totally been yeah, there. and like mm-hmm. going to the store and literally buying like okay, we're gonna buy all we're gonna eat like is we're gonna get bread, we're gonna get like peanut butter, we're gonna get eggs and like potatoes. Yeah, and like that's what we're gonna have Agreed. like until we can you know afford to get. And I remember my first my first Valentine's Day. Our electricity went out, (laughs) and I was like, we were like drinking in the dark. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and you have to like put a spin on it. I I've totally. I mean, I haven't had my electricity go out, but like there are those shitty things that happen where like Chris and I have had you know anniversaries, Valentine's days, lots of things. We couldn't do anything. Well, we couldn't do anything. We have to put like a spin on it. So we just like have dates in at home and treat each other you know like this year we like literally just like the only thing we did for valentine's day i think is i turned on your song by elton john we did a we did a little slow dance and that was it and it's it's sweet but it's also like it's when you're in it it's tough it's tough it's It's tough sweet but it's tough and like um 
I know it sounds really corny, but there is something to be said about getting yourself out of that. There definitely is. And and feeling better on the other side of it. Like, just the idea that, like, I could maybe buy, a, like, a shitty house mm-hmm. in, in Missouri and fix it up and rent it out. You know, like... It's a luxury it, But it's a mind. big deal to me. It's like, a huge you know, deal. It's a big deal because I couldn't afford to pay my rent, you know, a few yeah. years ago. Like, or, exactly. Or I could only afford to pay my rent and yeah. nothing else, you know? And... And I do think it's an important thing. I know we've kind of ventured off of of just millennials here, but, I, but well, but I think it's I think it does speak to a, a large population of people our age that have experienced yeah. many different levels of poverty and wealth. That you know they're all right. over the board. But I do want to like just kind of even though we've had it ex- like I would say that we've had. A, moments of our lives that have been really quite rough, like, comparatively to some other people, I do also want to say we at least had supportive families who were there to help us when we were at the bottom. Oh, yeah. My mom, I would, like, go to check my Wells Fargo account to see if I could afford some ramen, and mm-hmm. she would have put $50 in my account just right. without even yeah. saying anything. Yeah, and so oh, I, yeah. I do want to kind of, like, check our privilege. Not totally. check our privilege, privilege, that sounds like, you know, but I do want to just acknowledge, that's yes. better, I want to acknowledge our privilege a little bit because, what, like you were saying with the boy that you babysit with, I think sometimes we have a tendency to judge people who are homeless Mm -hmm. without acknowledging that, like, without a support system, any of us could have been in that situation. Like, if I had had nobody to bail me out of, not bail me out, but... I was going to say, kick it. No, I never had anyone to, like, no one, I I will say I'm proud that no one, I never had to ask, like, for someone to bail me out of a situation. Like, I never got so deep into a situation where I'm, like, I literally am in over my head financially. Like, I never got that bad if I had to not eat for a day, then I just wouldn't eat for a day, you know? Yeah. But I will say that some people don't have that. They don't have anyone to turn to to help them with anything. And it could very easily become a situation where they're homeless. And that's, it's, we need to have compassion for people because we don't know their situation or how they got where they're at. definitely. Yeah. So millennials are more likely to, uh, be in poverty than generations past. And there's this quote here that says, a 2016 Gen Forward survey of millennials of different racial ethnic groups found that blacks and Hispanics in particular consistently report more economic vulnerability than whites or Asians. Moreover, it has been estimated that the loss of wealth resulting from the foreclosure crisis between 2007 and 2009 Mm -hmm. disproportionately affected black and Hispanic families, making them less able to provide support for their own and their children's education and home purchases. Yeah. So... It's all interconnected, and I think we say this all the time, is, like, nothing's a one-sided issue. Everything is intersectional. Everything is interconnected. And it's just important to understand that. It doesn't necessarily mean that we are putting all of our stock in that. It just means that it's an important thing to acknowledge. Yes. Agreed. Um, So that's kind of the rundown on millennials, and I just wanted to talk about all of this because... I just got so sick of hearing how shitty millennials are, and I got so sick of people around me who were my age kind of saying that they didn't want to claim being a millennial. Yeah, I, and I've definitely been through that, too, where I've 
not wanted to claim acknowledge it. that. Yeah, because I I knew the connotation next to it. But I mean, this is also a couple years ago. I feel better about it now. But I didn't. Well, because I've always I felt disconnected with my age group at times, and I feel now more than ever very connected with my age group mm-hmm. and proud of that. And yeah, I, I like. I like that I'm a that I'm a part of that, and I'm also very very proud to be a part of the Gen Z experience. Not myself, but to be around yeah. for that and to be supportive of that. I'm super supportive of it. Yeah, yeah, it's and I'm loving. I'm just loving where things are going for the most part. I just saw like a headline. I haven't read the article about where you know we're not so sure if. Gen Z is going to be more conservative or liberal. Oh, I found the research on that, and that yeah. blew my mind. Tell me about it. Um, okay, I, it totally blew my mind. So a 2016 U.S. study found that church attendance during young adulthood was 41% among Generation Z, compared to 18% of millennials of the same ages, 21% of Whoa. Gen X's, of Gen Xers, and 26% of baby boomers. So it's higher than the past three generations right That's now. Does nuts. that not blow your mind? That's nuts. But I also think that church culture is changing. It is changing, but for me, I think I was on the cusp of that, like, you know, kind of it being this, like, fun experience. And yeah. it was fun for me. I'm not going to say it. it was, I had a good time in church. As a culture, though, I feel like we're kind of pulling a a lot of a lot of people are pulling away from real organized religion, not necessarily from spirituality or even Christianity. I was going to say, I feel like spirituality is in a boom. Like, just right, with, especially in L.A. culture with, like, crystals oh, and meditation sure. and, like, different For sure. But, I mean, even, even Christianity, I don't think people are necessarily, like, I think not everyone is really pulling away from that. I'm just surprised that Gen Z is at such higher numbers yeah. than generations past. It's at higher numbers than but maybe, baby boomers. But maybe that's because of us in a way where we were not as much of a part of organized religion where maybe like sometimes the next generation wants to really differ from they the, go the other way yeah without really realizing it or mm-hmm. making a conscious decision maybe that's just part of their yeah. thing you know and maybe they're going to be the generation to kind of change the church mentality that well, i have in my head i don't know i would hope so but Hold on, because okay, what go. got us started talking about this was that Gen Zers might be more conservative than we True. originally anticipated. True. So a 2017 survey produced by MTV and Public Religion Research Institute found that 72% of Americans aged 15 to 24, which is creeping into uh, Gen uh, to uh, millennials. millennials there, held unfavorable views of President Donald Trump. Okay, sounds about right. 70, what did it say, 72%? According to the Hispanic Heritage Foundation, U.S. members of Gen Z tend to be more conservative than millennials. According to a survey of 82,298 Gen Z age students, defined here as those between 14 and 18 in 2016, in the United States, done by My College Options and the Hispanic Heritage Foundation in September and October 2016, 32% of p- participants supported Donald Trump, while 22 supported Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. with 31 choosing not to vote in the election. Okay, this is my issue. If we're going to get—I don't want to get too far into the election because I think that's a conversation for another time. Uh-huh. But— 
this election fucking sucked. To be honest, I was unhappy with either of my options. I would have rather taken Hillary Clinton any day. She wasn't my first Wait, choice. Wait, that's who I voted for. Yes, I voted for Hillary as well. She was I voted not, for Bernie in the primary. Yes. Yeah. I, she was not my first choice. I was Bernie all the way. Would I stand behind her against Donald Trump? Any fucking yeah. day of the week. Happy. Always. I'll be a card-carrying Hillary supporter. I will wear a pantsuit for right. the rest of my if, life. If it's one if that would other. save me from Donald Trump. Yeah. So, with that being said, I think that we were kind of given a rotten deal with this election, and there was so much fucking misogynistic, horrible hate for Hillary Clinton that people could grasp and understand, and there was so much hate for Donald Trump that a lot of people, most people in my life, didn't even fucking vote. Yeah, or they okay. and they just felt like they were giving this that is... they were given the shit end of the deal. So if I'm saying I'm saying that the people who are Gen Z who are looking at our most recent election, which is going to be the election they remember because before that it was the second election that Obama was in, and I feel like when it's for like re-election, re-election. you don't pay as much attention to it. And I definitely didn't for the second election of Barack Obama, and um. So I feel like this was the election that they're remembering the most, and it was kind of just but even with that all around. I, I agree, but even with that, we're talking more a higher percentage of people aged fourteen to eighteen in twenty sixteen supported Donald Trump than okay. even didn't want to vote. But to me, I don't know. I just. I, thought, I really thought that there were large. Uh, listen, man. Okay, here's here's my point. Did I love Hillary Clinton? No, but you know what? Most black people and most black women don't love Hillary Clinton because of historical things that she's done against yes. the black community. Yes. But black women still fucking showed up and voted for her. Yes. Because they knew that they had to. Yes. Because the other option was a goddamn disaster. Yes. So to me, it's really frustrating. Whenever I'm, just, they're like, "Well, both options were terrible," and I'm like. Okay. Can we pick the lesser of two evils, please? And can you please just fucking show up and do it? Please. Like, because... Even if you're gritting your teeth, biting your lip, whatever. Yeah. Don't fucking care. But we'll talk about that another time. good choices. Because... I feel um, like I'm alienating my audience right now, and I, you know. So no, but we're it. but the whole point of this is is us being honest and being who we are and discussing yeah. the way that we feel. We're not trying to alienate other people who feel differently. Yeah. This is just the way that yeah. Keegan and I both happen to feel. I I do I tell the kid that I babysit all the time. I'm like, you are the one that's going to change the world because I want them to know that like what they believe and think is important. Yeah, it and matters. their point of view matters so much and I want him to feel that sense of entitlement and power in a way in that what he thinks truly will change the world we need to work on destroying this sense of apathy that I feel like yes our generation has yes because I didn't care about politics Mm -hmm. at all until a few years ago because I didn't want to be a part of it Mm -hmm. where now I'm seeing as we've spoken about before Everything is political. Mm-hmm. If we, even if we don't want to think that it is, everything in our lives is political and comes down to our moral guidelines. Yeah, and it's it's important and it's not a bad thing. Yeah, agreed. and we need to stop being scared to right. be political and believe in what we believe in. With that being said, because I'm now so used to seeing these horrible comments on our Instagram pages of people being unapologetically hateful. Mm-hmm. That's where I draw the line. Liberals should not be hateful in the way that they feel or, you know, people like us, I guess, if you don't consider yourself a liberal. And 
people who are on the conservative side shouldn't be hateful. Right. Hateful. Feel what you feel, but have compassion for other people and don't bring other people down for what they believe in. Yeah, I mean... And I think now more than ever... There is a divide between conservative and liberal where before in the Obama kind of time, there was a divide, but not so much that it was breaking families apart and relationships apart and things like that, where now tension is so high and it's at such an immense divide that we need to start kind of having some compassion for one another. Mm -hmm. And I I really do hope that, you know... We can get back there. Yes. I mean, not necessarily back to, because I feel like there was some... There's complacency. Yes. There was some kind of being blind to issues and not wanting to, you know... Stir the pot. Stir the pot Mm -hmm. and, like, cause any waves where I think you should definitely cause waves and make differences and be out there. Yeah. But I think the way that we discuss things with each other, I hope eventually comes back to understanding that at in, at the end of the day we are one world we are one people we yeah. need to show each other love love will always trump hate yeah i feel like there has to be a middle ground like yes. that's that's how i feel because i remember right after the election i get it like emotions were running really high i actually made a really long facebook status about because it, I mean, my heart was broken. It truly, mm-hmm. it felt like my heart was broken. Yeah, I, I mean, both, we talked about it last night that we both yeah, fucking sobbed when yeah, it Yeah, my heart felt like it was broken. And to see people who I loved and respected really gloating all over my Facebook page um, and calling everyone who was upset, like, whiners and crybabies, it was difficult and I wrote because a... Because you felt something that was true Because I truly felt painful. like this was going to... It was going to affect my life. It was going to affect the lives of people who I loved. Yep. And I, I wrote a status about that and about, like, you can feel however you want to about this, but please have compassion because everyone else just feels like the target on their back just got a little bit bigger. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was a member, like, I wasn't a card-carrying Hillary supporter. Yeah. But I was, someone added me to Pantsuit Nation. And so I was in Pantsuit Nation, the Facebook group, and... I was I stayed in it because I was just like I need a I need a place to be where other people yeah. are like to mourn to mourn with other people, but there was this really weird mentality in there of like, and I get it like you have like Trump supporting family members who are like calling you out at at places and yeah, but there was this weird mentality of like I just. I just walked out of my my dad's life or I just walked out of my mom's life and everyone just kind of surrounding them and going, bravo! And it's kind yeah. of like, while I understand it and while you need to do whatever you need to do and if you need to cut off, like, toxic family members, you mm-hmm. need to do that, there is this weird mentality of celebrating mm-hmm. the destruction of families, you know, like, yeah. rather than ha- being able to have a yeah, conversation. Yeah, I mean, support, support each other, but... Yeah, celebration is a weird... And challenge each other, but, like, I mean, challenge your family members, but be able to have a constructive conversation about it. And Agreed. Going back to Gen Z, I kind of feel like that is an issue with the Gen Z generation is is being able to... Anonymity on the internet. If we're going to... Let's start touching on the uh, Gen Z side of these things. Yeah. I, again, bustle coming through. Love bustle. Seven reasons why teen feminists are our future. Love it. Um, Tell me, Madigan. I'm going to do it. Just wait. So 
It says, for the upcoming generation, socially conscious is less a self-designated label and more just the way they live. 76% say they are concerned about human impact on the planet. In turn, 60% aspire to jobs that will impact the world. This is a generation where same-sex marriage and having a black president aren't automatically equated to controversy. They are simply reality. Yeah. And that I love, and that's the best way for me to kind of describe the differences is when I think about Obama. Because for me, Obama being president was fucking wild. And it was something that broke barriers and boundaries for our country where for Gen Z, it's just the way, the way it were. was. Yeah. They don't know life before that. Yeah. And now they're kind of getting a, a shock and realizing that things are not Obama world. Yeah. And you know what I think is interesting about Gen Z is like while they grew up in that America, they also grew up in an America that's different from you and I in the way that they grew up almost entirely post 9-11. Yeah. Which is a different world than totally the world that world. we grew up where oh, not grew up in because I mean I was 11 when 9/11 happened and yeah. so we were still very young but we remember a time when the world still felt very very safe. safe. Yes. And I feel like their safety was invaded upon almost immediately. Well, that's something that they talked about a lot when we went to march for our lives where mm-hmm. they were like my entire life, you know, Columbine happened before I was born. Yeah. So every day at school I have been aware of that where for us Yeah. I mean, I feel like there we did too, but it wasn't as common when I like I didn't have uh, lock in drills until high school. Oh, for sure. And it wasn't as big of a deal. It wasn't spoken about quite as much. I think their America in general is far more turbulent than the America that we grew up in. Yes, our America. in okay, guys, if you weren't around, if you're Gen Z, let me just tell you, America in the '90s was like the shit like yes. everyone was just like america all the way like america's the bomb mm-hmm. and like we were everyone was e- e- yeah everyone was patriotic yeah everyone was patriotic and we were all like usa usa all the time you know like it was the way things were <laughs> yeah and then post 9 11 i feel like we saw a peak of that where I mean, the whole country came together as a country yes. and then immediately after that like fucking segregated and then yeah well immediately <laughs> fell apart immediately after that you got so much criticism of George W. Bush. You got so much criticism of the war and no longer oh, it's did nuts it feel... Because I even have that... Like, my family are such, like, hippy-dippy lovely people that, uh-huh. I mean, I I had a George Bush hating theme Christmas stocking one year. That's funny. I had a National Embarrassments Ooh. tin with George Bush on it. I had a stress ball with his face and then I put on his little body and I would, like, squeeze his face. Oh, Madigan. This Sometimes... Was, this I was the life <laughs> that you and I because grew up so differently. Yes, because by contrast, <laughs> my mom, I'm pretty sure, had a George W. Bush sticker, bumper sticker, love it for when he was running for reelection. Yeah. And don't don't get it twisted. I oh think, no, my dad had an impeach Bush sticker. They no. would have been best friends. <laughs> I mean, don't don't get like I I know like because I know the demographic of our podcast and like what that's going to sound like to people. My mom is my best friend. Like, mm-hmm. I love my mom. She's the most that amazing. That doesn't make your mom a bad person. My family is amazing, but it's it's just interesting because we grew up so, so differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I grew up in a home that was very, very, very liberal, and I didn't 
know that liberal that being liberal was a bad thing until I remember it's I was not. in but but in but there was people but I didn't even know there were people that thought it was a bad thing until I was in 10th grade English in Mr. Paulson's class where he said something about liberals and I said I'm a liberal and he scoffed at me. Well, I and think, I was like, wait. I think what? you get that from both sides because I, I totally. literally, because I was conservative growing up. It was the way I went. I was basically yeah. an evangelical Christian. My family was highly conservative. And yeah. um, I had teachers straight up say that that was wrong and not allowed. Right, exactly. You know, so, well, and, which and, is what I was saying earlier yeah. that we both need to learn to be more tolerant. Yeah, and, and neither one is wrong. Just to be frank, yeah. while both Madigan and I are highly progressive, whatever views you hold for yourself in your own life, it's not necessarily a bad view. As long no. as you're not cringing on other people's rights to live the life that they exactly. want, I then agree. hold whatever rights you want and live your life whatever way you want to. Like, yeah. There's no really wrong or right way to do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I th- just think it's very interesting the way that Gen Z grew up because it that, that's why I don't like it whenever millennials and Gen Z are lumped together. Right, because, because we had an experience before. It's different. Yeah. Yeah, and they grew up, I think the major defining change between millennials and Gen Z is that like my little brothers who are nine and ten years younger than me, they have grown up entirely in the time of social media, in the time of the internet. Yep. It's a different mentality. Yeah, and it is interesting that you brought up 9-11 because I feel like that's kind of... Turning point. The line, yeah. in a way, that How I, old were you when 9-11 happened? Do you remember Do you remember it? it? Yeah. yeah, and I think even... It's weird because I've had conversations with very young people who were young when it happened and still kind of have, like, traumatic memories of it, and it's interesting. But, like, yeah, that really was, for us, you know, I think it's the same way when kids remembered when, you know, John F. Kennedy died. Yeah, you know? I remember exactly where I was when 9-11 happened, and I think yeah, most same. people who have a memory of it can remember exactly what Yeah, and doing. I think that there's a sense of our little Norman Rockwell version of America being shattered, shattered. all yeah. over again. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think, grows a great difference and not necessarily a difference that can't be uh, worked through and discussed. It doesn't make us better than you or anything like that. But there, I feel like there is a great difference in that. There, and then social media divide. is the other. Yeah, it's just a cultural divide. It's not. There's nothing wrong with it. It just, it does give you a different mentality when you've grown up in an America where we have been constantly at war. You know, like for most of, for all of my little brother's lives, essentially, we've been at war. Yeah. And there's been this mentality about America where we've kind of fallen from grace. Like they, they never got to experience that America that was that we saw as being so, like, pure and on top of the world, you yeah, know? Yeah, agreed. They never got to experience that. So here's some positive things about Gen Zers changing the world. Hell yeah. Uh, they aren't afraid to call themselves feminists. This is a big thing for yeah, me. Yeah, me too. Every store that I feel like I, that I go in, I feel like I see a shirt that says feminist. Yeah, or, or a bag. Or, or a, yeah, and I think that's fantastic. And it says, the word feminism frightens a lot of people, specifically older men. (laughs) However, trends show that young people are less reluctant to ascribe to the label feminist. Rowan Blanchard, fucking love her. Now 15 is an actress you might recognize from Girl Meets World. You should... also get familiar with the work she's doing for gender equality. She's she's an example to me where she is aspiring. She, like a lot of other young feminists, are aspiring to a pure America, I uh-huh. feel like. But the definition is changing, and they're not afraid to 
be who they are, where I still feel sometimes wearing my feminist sweatshirt, I get scared. Mm-hmm. Oh, I straight up, I made a um, Twitter to the Women's March last year, or the first Women's March, Women's March 2017. I made a shirt with, like, sparkly Mm iron-ons that said feminist on it, and I remember when I was packing to go home for something or another, I made a very conscious decision not to pack that Mm -hmm. t-shirt, because I was going back to Missouri, and I was just like, I just don't want to deal with the negative repercussions or possible negative repercussions exactly. of this. So I just didn't even bring yeah. it. Yeah, and there are times that I wear that sweatshirt and my any of my feminist apparel just to spite people and to be like, yeah, fucking come at me. And then there are days I'm where I'm just like, do it I here, don't. No, I know. But, but like, but then there are times too where I'm just like, I can't deal with it today. Right. But it is something that for me has been on my mind where I feel like people younger than us are very just like, yep. This is what I am. This is who I am. This is yeah. what it is. Well, I think it, again, and it's I, not a dirty word anymore. Yeah. Where like for us, I feel like the word feminist, at least for me, growing up, when I thought of feminism, for I thought sure. of I thought of lesbians a lot. <laughs> like I didn't think of lesbians, but I did think of. I mean, again, it was I was raised in a very conservative culture. Yeah, and my mom, I think, was kind of a third wave feminist before she became a conservative Christian. So yeah. there was a shift for her. So she kind of had both mindsets and she kind of made it very clear that she was not that, like, a, a third-way feminist anymore. Well, because anymore. it was the bra-burning, super, like, radical type. Well, my mom was, like, third-waver, like, yeah. as far as, like, she wore, like, Doc Martens and had, like, spiky hair. Like, that, that was, like, who she was. She was kind of, she was Riot Girl-esque in the way yeah. that she presented herself. And then, not that the way that she presented herself really changed, but her mentality changed on it. So yeah. I grew up with the idea that, like, feminism was unnecessary because my mom had lived through it and she decided like she decided it was unnecessary and so like yeah. why do I need to go through that she's got the experience you know what i mean right um so i did feel that way but i do feel like that all kind of links into social media and yep. this idea of i feel like there's two sides of this coin where there's like the social media activism that we talked uh-huh. about in fourth wave that i feel like is a big reason why people aren't afraid to kind of embrace who they are, well, embrace feminism. Well, because you can find your other, you can find your people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you can see that, yeah, you can see that other people are okay with it, you're not alone, and you don't have to be afraid to be who you are. The other side of that coin where people find criticism with Gen Z is that they believe that a lot of that is, quote unquote, which I don't have a problem with this term, and I will stand up for this term anytime, but social justice warriors mm-hmm. or slacktivism, where I you're mean, kind of just online. We I refer about to it. myself as being a social justice warrior I, all the time. I agree, too, because I think it's a good term, but it's been used to as refer... As being a slacker? Well, it's been used to refer to, like, either slacktivism, where basically all you're doing is... Um, you know, I'll like this or I'll share this petition and then right. I've done my good But deed. what about the people, to the naysayers, what about the people who are young and don't have the capacity to make the change that you deem acceptable? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the best they can do right yeah, now. No, and I, that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm not saying that to you. I'm yeah. just saying in general. Yeah. But then the other part of that is... I think the reason why social justice warrior has gotten a negative connotation is because it's people, especially like on Tumblr, on these other social media platforms, have kind of taken it as 
you can't do anything right. Like, yeah. even if you call yourself a feminist, if you say the wrong thing, they're all over you and they're like, doxing you. You're a you. bad feminist. Yeah, you're a yeah. bad feminist. And we're, they're, they're fucking, if you use the wrong word, it doesn't matter how many times Hell. you apologize. You know what? I would rather be a bad feminist than no not a feminist, feminist at all. all. Roxanne I'm just Gay. Saying. That's I a am ro- just fucking saying. That's a Roxanne Gay quote from, from her book, Bad Feminist. Love it. So another thing that they are good at is combating institutionalized sexism. And there's a great photo. I'm, I think I might post this article somewhere, maybe on Twitter, because you can't really post articles on Instagram. I'll use Twitter. Um, oh my gosh. But it's a photo of the girls dressing in the guys' clothes and the guys dressing in the girls' clothes. And it says, if we can dress like them, they can dress like us. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really wonderful is that their dress code in particular is, has become something that's really been questioned. And that's something that when I think back on even my high school experience, I remember my high school not really having, I think they had a dress code that wasn't like really like encouraged because there were so many of us. It was mm-hmm. like a big school. Um, but I remember even wearing, like, if my shoulders were ever exposed, oh, yeah. I felt overexposed in school where... You felt out like in public, were at I you. could wear a tube top mm-hmm. and feel fine. Where, or I just felt, I just felt different. I couldn't really put a word to it. And I think people are finally starting to say, "My body isn't something to be ashamed of, or that needs to be covered up." Or on the flip side, my body is something that can be covered up, and you don't have the right to make. Fun I get of it. to make that. Yeah, or I get to make that choice. Like yeah. if you, I think we're seeing that a lot more with acceptance of women who d- choose to wear hijab, you know, or anything like that, where they're like they're choosing to cover up. Yeah, and you don't get to decide. Or you're seeing the girls who are wearing the crop tops and the shorter skirts and they're not necessarily being seen as sluts where when I was growing up if I you dressed a certain way you were a crop, slut. I wear tons of crop tops. She's wearing a crop top I'm right now. I'm actually wearing guys. a crop top right now, yeah. I wear I show I'm I'm now I'm now getting to the age which we can talk about this with like, you know, age discrimination but i am now getting to the age where i'm like maybe i'm too old to be like wearing what i used to fuck that i know i know it's totally a socialized mentality that i have that's really fucked up but um but i mean i'm still doing it so yeah i'm not letting it bother me that much but i think that that's something else that we're seeing with gen x is this like gender solidarity yeah like did you see like um the marjorie stoneman douglas high school now they've got a new... Okay, so it's not the guns, guys. Let's not worry about the guns. Let's give all the students clear backpacks because that'll solve the problem. <laughs> so all the students are wearing clear backpacks now. Yeah. And one of the students, I can't remember, but one of the ones who's been kind of public in the yeah. in the news, he started wearing he started wearing his backpack his clear backpack and putting tampax tampons in his backpack <laughs> and walking around with them in solidarity with the girls because it's just like this is so embarrassing for them because yeah. you're in high school everything is embarrassing for you as a as a girl yes and they're having to walk around with their feminine hygiene products in a clear backpack that everyone can see yeah and it's making them feel really uncomfortable I love this so person. this boy is carrying around tampons in his backpack I love it in solidarity with these girls and I feel like it's so wonderful and inspiring like yeah so even though I've been a little critical of Gen Z, I am not trying to be critical because no. I think that they are very inspiring and brave and my in God. so many ways in ways that I never would have been at no. that age ever, you know? Definitely not. 
Um, because we're kind of hitting an hour, I'm going to get through this a little bit. They're okay. calling out rape culture. That's yes. something that I think is amazing. And that kind of goes into dress code, things like that. They're definitely, it's becoming, to me, rape was a word that was hard for me to say. Yeah. Especially being someone who's experienced sexual violence. Yes. Rape is a word that I have a very hard time describing when it comes to myself. It's a hard word to say in general. And I feel like it's becoming less of a dirty word and more of, like, a fact of criminal Life. offense. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to be honest, like, I posted something um, because I think April is actually Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Yeah. And one in six women will be the victim of either a completed or an attempted rape in their lifetime. And bare minimum... Bare minimum, most women are getting yeah. sexually assaulted. So it's it's something that we have. It's a fact of life for most yeah. women. And most well, a lot of people too. And this this girl, Alex Alexia Sembrano, wrote a piece. Um, and she said in it, I am a feminist because most boys my age seem to be more disgusted with periods and menstrual cycles than they are with rape. Absolutely. But I gotta say. While that is true, or people are guys are still disgusted with menstrual cycles, they're coming around. I'm amazed at yeah. the conversations that I have with the men in my life and the questions they have that are like really great and wonderful, and like wanting to know how they can be better and helpful. I have to say, like An- Anthony actually wants us to do a period episode because he's like he's he's like I'm so curious about it because like it's something <laughs> it's that's gonna happen. We're just trying yeah. to find when we're both. Fucking ready to rage. Yeah, I I messed this up. I'm sorry, but it is like it. I think that because, especially since listeners, you don't know this, but Anthony is older than me, so he is technically Gen X or whatever that in between is. Yeah, and I feel like especially back then. They really didn't have real frank, honest conversations about it. Yeah, like so, I, they want to know. Like guys right. want to know what's the deal. You what's know? the deal? And I remember having a demonstration of how tampons work with my friends in high school, <laughs> where I took a bowl of water and like pushed You're the like, tampon yeah, out, look, and they watch watched it expand. it expand, and they were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> that was really loud. I'm sorry. Uh, and. One of, like, the things that I think, like, made me fall in love with Chris to begin with was that in the beginning of our relationship, he was, like, so cool with buying me tampons. Oh, hell yeah. Because his sister and mom made it such a, a whatever part of life. That it is a whatever part of it life. It is. It's like, yeah. fucking, I can't help it. I saw, and I need something to make it so that blood doesn't fucking get everywhere, I, asshole. I saw a meme or something like that on the internet where this cashier was like, I was checking a woman out and she asked me if I could double bag her tampons so that her husband didn't have to see them, like, walking out of the store. And That's it's like, oh, honey. Depressing. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, like, throw the whole husband away. Like, start over. Yeah. Like, because that, it's not worth it. Like, it's literally just a piece he of cotton. He wants to fuck it, but he doesn't want to see the blood that yeah. comes out of it. It's, really? it's a piece of cotton. And I've got to deal with it. I'm sorry. So, like, you don't have to deal with this shit. Yeah. You know, and I almost posted on our, um, I showed you yesterday, like, I almost posted on our Angry Neighborhood Feminist Instagram story because I was, like, laying on the couch, like, cramping so bad. And I, like, texted You Anthony, should post that. And I was like, I'll post it with the, with the episode. Yeah. I was like, can you bring me mac and cheese because I'm sitting... Can you go to the store and buy me a box of mac and cheese because I'm cramping on the couch and I can't move and all I want is mac and cheese. And he was like, of course. Yeah, I remember when I got my IUD put in, I was bleeding like crazy. And Chris, I was like, I need the biggest 
pads you can find, like diaper fucking <laughs> pads. And he was like, I don't know how to find that. And like, mm-hmm. so I literally had to get like my phone out and Google what I wanted and send him a photo. And he had to like walk to Vaughn's and like figure it out and bought me but like. the point is he figured it out. He figured it out and he bought me like all the snacks I wanted and he bought me like multiple types of like pads. They understand. They get it. Because like then that's what makes them so wonderful is because it's like yeah we have to go through this you know and you understand that we're going through something that like you don't have to go through. Yeah. And you Well and he also just saw me in fucking pain. Yeah you're sympathetic And was like I will do fucking anything to make you feel better and if that means buying you a diaper that's what it is. You know if anything ever happened and like whatever like if I couldn't be with Anthony and I had to start dating again fucking first red flag it first red flag periods like if yep. you are going to be a dick during gone. this immediately gone goodbye there's yeah. the door we're not doing this mm-hmm. like that's number 1 agreed so the next thing on this article is that they understand trans rights and that's something that for us we've talked a lot about how we are still like totally in the dark trying to kind of learn what the, yeah. the right thing to do is and i Trans is something that I'm very interested in and I try to do a lot of research with and I, I have trans friends and try to kind of be as like knowledgeable as I can while still accepting the fact that I'm never going to fully know what they're going through. But I think it's great that Gen Z is in a place where they are just more knowledgeable than right, we are yeah. and like their knowledge of pronouns and words to use and things like that and you know, where I feel like my mom always kind of described herself as, like, being colorblind, where now we're kind of, you know, our generation has kind of said, no, we shouldn't be colorblind. We should celebrate our differences mm-hmm. when it comes to race. Absolutely. And then this next generation is kind of like, why don't we celebrate our differences with our gender and sexual orientation yeah. and the fluidity that, that we have? That's a big, a, a, not a big difference, but I do feel like that is a subtle difference. Is like, That's kind of their thing, where yeah. for us, I feel like... Well, discovering racial differences was I a big like thing. I feel like Gen Xers worked on the race thing, and then we kind of worked on the race thing and the sexuality thing. Yeah. And then they kind of worked on the sexuality thing yes. and the gender thing. <laughs> you know, it was kind of yes. like each generation sort of takes on an addition, you yes. know, to like kind of work on and move forward and progress with. Agreed. And I can't wait to see what's next. Me so too. I think that's great. And someone that I've been following her story since she was young is Jazz Jennings, if you don't oh, know yeah. about her. Yeah, I've seen her I've show. I've followed, oh, I've never really seen her show, but I remember she had it a piece on. I don't know if it was Oprah or Katie Couric or what it was, but I just remember watching that and then watching videos about transgender kids, like, going into, like, a wormhole on YouTube about it and just being so She's so, so relatable, honestly. She's so relatable and wonderful, and I've been kind of following her journey, and I just admire her so much. And yeah. She's so amazing. Yeah. And her parents, too. You know, I just mm, love. Her whole family is, like, super sweet. Just amazing. Um, the next thing is they said they recognize the importance of intersectionality. Yep. And that's something that you and I enforce all the time. 24-7 every day. 24-7. And Amanda Stenberg is one of those who – she came with a video a couple years ago that was amazing talking about uh, race and intersectionality that was fantastic and talked about, you know – 
cultural appropriation. That's something that, like, my mom didn't know what cultural appropriation I feel like was. that's a very Gen Z thing. I mean, it I is. think it's, like, tail end of, of millennial to beginning of Gen yeah, Z. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's something that I'm so glad is a thing and that there's a word to put to it and that that's something and that, that we can talk. And that people take it seriously now, yes. kind of, or semi-seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The next thing here, they aren't afraid to take the lead. They're not afraid to be leaders in these things where I feel like even when I was a kid, it was kind of that mentality of like, oh, an adult will take care of it. Yeah. Well, and I think also it's kind of like what we were talking about before where they've really been trained by social media on how to do this. Yeah. That's what we've said about the, you know, park, about the Parkland students. It's like you've been trained on social media about how to handle these issues Mm -hmm. and like how and what this means, like where we didn't have that, which is really, really cool. So I think it it kind of gives them the voice to be able to get out in front of a situation and talk about it. Yep, and, and not be afraid to lead it. And yeah. the last thing here that it said that we've already talked about is that they're not afraid to be political, whatever yeah. that means. And I think that as long as we can lead, this is something I've seen so many times, light and love, light and love, light and love. As long as we can lead with light and love and not hate each other for our differences politically, religiously, Anyway, that's what's going to be the positive change in our Mm -hmm. future. No matter what we believe in, if we can lead with light and love, I honestly feel like there's going to be changes that are positive and wonderful in the world. Yeah. And I think that's something that they are definitely enforcing along with people like us who are just old millennial Dude, I know. Isn't that weird? Do you feel... I feel a little old this episode. A little bit. I'm like, all these young All these youngins. And it's funny, I was just talking... We went out with the wonderful people of Woman last night, and I was like, God, I'm always so painfully aware of how young I am with... But you're not really that much younger. I'm not, but I feel... But I always feel feel it even if I'm not physically younger than them I'm always very like worried that I'm gonna seem immature to people who like when they talk sound like they just like got their shit together I'm like oh god I hope I'm not like found out you know what I mean no one has their shit together no I know but it's you know it's my own anxiety and insecurity so yeah yeah what you gonna do I want you to know that you you didn't sound like you didn't have your mm, Thank you, You Keegan. were fine. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> um, and we are going, because we're running a little long. Um, yeah, and we I did, have to pee like we, a motherfucker. <laughs> we did have some drinks with the women from Woman, and I hope that there's very exciting things coming. And so we're exciting. we're going to talk a little bit more about what they're trying to do, which is very, very cool. We're not going to go in-depth with anything, but just kind of a little bit of who they are, who Madigan and I are kind of, like, we've we like to say we've joined the woman tribe, but we're just going to talk about a little bit more about it in our mini episode on Thursday. So um, tune in to that if you want to hear a little bit more about woman and what's going on with that. And what we're going to be doing. Well, I mean, we won't I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. No, but. but I mean, like, what we're a part of. Yeah, yeah. This wonderful thing that we're we're just beginning to be a part of and these yeah. wonderful women that we're starting to meet and develop relationships with, which yep. honestly, if it stopped right there... I would be happy with because exactly. we've gotten to meet some really awesome, wonderful yep. um, women I agree. on this journey. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Is that is that all we have to say? Yeah. And yeah. with that being said, we encourage you to, to rage on. Bye-bye. Laters.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.